Hey there, welcome back to Quirky HR. We have a repeat guest today. Um, We are joined again by Maria Thorpe. She's an HR consultant for Jumpstart HR. And if you listened to our previous episode, which was episode 46, Authentic HR with Maria Thorpe, um, and you enjoyed it, which I'm sure you did, that's why she's back because we had a great conversation last time and we're going to continue the conversation. So Maria, welcome back to Quirky HR. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love talking about all HR things and nerding out and (laughs) reminding people we are human too. What? We are? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not robotic and we're not, we don't have cold hearts. (laughs) Hearts are cool. (laughs) So Maria and I work in a similar capacity in that we work as consultants for an HR consulting company. And um, so we work primarily with small businesses. So we thought we'd have a conversation around wellness, kind of the, the overarching topic of wellness, especially since it was just mental health awareness week um, a couple weeks ago. And what we're seeing in terms of trends and what some of our clients are doing in terms of wellness for their employees. So maybe we start by define, like, how do you define wellness for a business? Yeah. So when you think of wellness, everybody kind of immediately goes to like mental health or physical, but there's other areas that count as wellness. It's your spiritual, it's your job, it's your environment. Um, and it's like financial, um, anything that kind of contributes to your overall well-being as a as a human person. And so um, so when I usually approach this to um, employers, um, I'm like, hey, do you ever have a wellness program? And they're like, no, but we want one, um, but we don't have the resources or the funds to do it. And so usually what we do is I put something super simple in place just to start dialogue about wellness and topics and making the environment safe of of expressing your well-being and your needs. Um, We do this a lot internally at Jumpstart, um, but some of the things I've implemented with a couple clients is even just as simple as like a wellness Slack channel. And every week, a new wellness topic pops up and it goes from financial to well-being. One of the... um, one of the ones I think I posted two weeks ago was about how your environment influences your well-being and how to pay attention to what kind of triggers you and your environment. So, for example, um, and I, and, it, and it was really interesting that this was brought up to light for me because I get really stressed out when my house is not clean, like specifically the rugs, whether they're not vacuumed. So I will literally stop midday in a workday just to clean my environment to kind of like de-stress me, calming down and get ready to tackle the next big project. (laughs) And so I'm sitting here right now looking around and I have like dog toys everywhere and my dog really likes to eat sticks. So I got stick crumbs. And as we're talking about this, this environment, I'm like, wow, my house is a hot mess right now. (laughs) And how is that impacting me and my well-being, right? And some and sometimes that also can go into like environment of where maybe the household isn't as stable um, and how that impacts you. So thing things like that. Uh, last week, I think no, this week because it's Memorial Day weekend, we did something physical of like protect your skin 
and some tips on how to use sunscreen and the best sunscreen when you're out for Memorial Day weekend um, at the beach or doing things in the sun. Yeah, I think so. If you've been a listener of the podcast, we did an interview with Jill Westoff. It was episode 22 about the employee assistance program. And that's a common way that employers address wellness, I think, because it's it's kind of like outsourcing outsourcing the topic of wellness, which to your point, it's it's whole person. It's whole person. And I think we forget that sometimes that when we when we have an employee that shows up for work, we want them to forget all of their other burdens that they have in their life or obligations that they have in their life and be, you know, entirely on. And I think that's where work is heading is like that idea of of managing people and supporting people as the whole person. And addressing what they need and and where can you, you know, you have your policy places as the role, but at what point, like, you're going to have to revisit those policies if you're seeing these trends to make exceptions. Like, um, um, one of the things I've seen too, in terms of wellness, right? Like, again, the whole person, and it could be even as simple of like, hey, my father just passed away and I just need more time off. Well, you don't have to pay them. You can give them unpaid leave or you can pay them as a generous thing to kind of get them through so they're not stressed of their financial situation, right? They're going through a stressful moment. Um, One of the things I really love, and again, wellness as a whole person, like flexibility in your schedule. Some of my clients are doing summer Fridays where like you let the, um, if they're in a service industry, they let their customers know at one o'clock on a Friday, they're out. You're not going to hear from us. You're not going to talk to us. You can email us, but we're not going to respond. We're enjoying our time with our family. And that also contributes to to well-being, right? Being around people you love. Um, And then also in terms, so we we addressed, oh, so we addressed the environment. We addressed um, work-life balance and kind of the job environment. But one of the things is to like the financial piece of it. Um, There was um, a day, I think I posted, it was like financial literacy day and tips and tricks on how to help better your finances. And many employers kind of like freeze at this because they're like, oh, it costs money and we're talking about money. And it's like one of those things you're not supposed to talk about with people. But if there's a dialogue of like, hey, what can we do to help achieve your financial goals that may not impact a raise? Maybe it's a budgeting service. Maybe it's a partnership with another org. Maybe it's just tuition assistance. You know, that that alone contributes to the financial wellness of in in an employee, um, not just employee assistance program, which I don't know how many people have actually employees have actually used those. Um, Dana, what is your experience in terms of like employee use? I so I feel like they are a highly underutilized resource. So often in my experience, and this may be different. Uh, with other vendors, but in my experience, an EAP is something that the employer pays for, or it's associated. I have seen them where they're associated with like the life insurance policy that the employer buys. And um, they tend to only get utilized in like moments of crisis. And so when an employer is getting data that maybe only three employees used it or four employees used it, they look at that's like not 
not good ROI. Um, and they decide to to end the contract. But I will say that one of the really important things that needs to happen is is kind of what you're doing, where con- where you're having uh, timely, continuing conversations about the other parts of wellness. Because most EAPs have great resources about these other things, budgeting, um, aging parents, um, child care, mental health, grief, bereavement, substance abuse, like all of these other things that affect our employees. And if we're not constantly communicating that these resources are available to them, then they're not using the EAP. So that's part of it is like, I, you know, they have these resources and they sometimes get used mostly in a crisis period, but there's not the ongoing conversation around, uh, here's other resources that the EAP offers that you might find useful in your life. Yeah. You know, there's been, um, that's so funny that you say that because I actually suggested an EAP for a specific client and they looked at the cost of it and they're like, no, we're not doing it because of that return of investment. Right. And, um, and they felt they've had other things in terms of wellness. Uh, they're very flexible types of people. So, but the, the, that the, where was I going with this? Um, with the EAP, that's where, you know, I worked for a job where um, I remember my boss at the time was like, well, we have this EAP and like, but nobody knows about it. We're not talking about it. We're not pulling resources from it and marketing it. When you like, that's where I feel like benefits fall. Once benefits and open enrollment drops off, we no longer market what we have to offer. And um, I'm starting to really see this with one of my clients because they're um, they're blue collar workers. And some of um, their demographic base ranges from like 20 to like 56. And so the people who are in their 56 or 60, they're not the ones that are going to really use a lot of the apps. They're, they're not super as tech savvy as maybe someone who's 20. So you have to market to, to your demographic differently, which maybe be like flyers on, on site of like, Hey, we have these resources or, you know, people are living longer. So a lot of these individuals who have, who are in the age bracket of like maybe 50 to 60, their parents sometimes are still living or, um, and they're still caring for them. So, um, I think there's no longer a, like, one size fits all in terms of wellness. Now you have to come up with something that's a little bit of a cart that's going to meet everybody's needs. I think that's a big part of it too, is like making, you know, if you think about an EAP, the primary service that an EAP often provides is a mental health kind of like call line. You know, if you're in crisis, you need help, you need to go see a therapist, right? So that requires the employee to do the outreach. But when you bring the resources to the employees where they're at, that can make a huge difference. So financial literacy, maybe it's beyond just partnering with a financial advisor, but maybe it's having the financial advisor have office hours on site in your building that you bring that resource to the employees so that they can then utilize it in their regular workday. I think that that's our responsibility in HR is to remove those barriers. And if if access to those resources is a barrier, then we need to figure out how do we remove those. 
that is a really great, like, that is awesome. And I agree. And, you know, you mentioned the employee assistance program really being available for mental health. That really also contributes to a larger conversation because there's such a lack of resources in general. I myself, who see a therapist, I had to, um, when I decided to start seeing a therapist, a therapist. I called maybe three different places until I found mine and the waiting time was like six months. And so, you know, even if the employer doesn't have an employee assistance program, there is um, in their county, there is resources like a 1-800 number that they can call and maybe even a fact sheet of that. That doesn't really cost anybody anything. It's like, here's the information. If you're in crisis for domestic violence, if you're in crisis for um, mental health or, or suicidal awareness call. And here they are. And I don't know, just promote like you, like every, the, even the person you just like can't stand the most, right? Still deserves to have an environment and a place where they feel secure. And sometimes I remember the, when I was young and like 16, my job was the most secure place and stability in my life at that time. And if it wasn't for a couple of my employers, who knows how my life would have would ended up at. And so um, we can't just think that we don't impact people's lives, th- that they just show up to work and get a paycheck. It's We do a lot more and impact someone's life than we think. Yeah. You are also mentioning your, you know, your work environment. <laughs> And I think that's a huge consideration that employers need to think about is the when someone is working remotely from home, the boundary between work and home is not what it used to be. I was just talking to an employee and she works remotely and she's a fantastic employee. And she was saying that um, it's really different for her now because she has to be much more intentional about like about her workspace, that when she's home and she is technically not working, she has to like talk herself out of going upstairs and just answering a couple emails. And obviously this is like a wage and hour issue, but it's also an employee wellness issue of like making sure that you're very clear as an employer, what are your expectations of your remote employees in terms of being on and available and making sure that employees have a an appropriate space for work. Yes, absolutely. I um, am very adamant about this. There, it, it is really interesting. So um, my den is the place where I work. And that is like, I have it set up as like an office. And, you know, I know some people work in their bedroom, some people work in their living room, but I think if you designate a specific room or even block off a corner and like get some barriers around it, that's going to contribute to your environment. Because when you look at that, you're going to see, okay, that's my workspace. But when you're in your living room, you're not also going to feel like that's your workspace. Um, so I remember going on vacation in January and I cleaned the whole house, but I even stepped into my den because den associated to me was work. And I knew if I walked in there, I was going to open my laptop 
and see what was going on because I'm a control freak in my with my clients. So, um, so in order for me to really give myself what I needed, I literally shut the door, didn't walk in there, dust piled up. I didn't care <laughs> um, because I knew if I walked in there, I would immediately feel like work mode because of the way the environment is set up. I highly recommend people do not set up their offices in their bedrooms. Find another room. Yeah. But I also think it's it's up to the employer to be very clear about those expectations and to take take that into consideration. Like I, I feel like almost with the pandemic, it was just like um you're figuring it out as you go, like you're sending your employees remote. And then and then we haven't always necessarily taken a step back and assess, like, okay. What does remote work look like in our organization? And how do we, you know, if wellness and workplace boundaries are really important to you as an organization, how do you then enforce that for your remote employees? Right. Especially like I always think of, um, you know, I remember calling for, I think it was like a my cell phone company or I was calling a service and they remember the person answering there was so much background noise. It was very disruptive to our call. And it was like the TV was blaring. I could hear the episode that was on the TV and the kids were screaming. And this poor woman was trying to provide me with service, but her environment was really chaotic, right? So as an employer, what can we do there, right? And I know sometimes like covering childcare can get really expensive, but maybe it's just a temporary program until they find their their backup plan or their resources or their support system. Or, you know, there's, there's little things that you can do and say, hey, you know, um, you have to have that conversation with the employee if it's impacting their customer calls and like that service they provide. But if that employee is struggling, like, you know, my kids are, are crazy my childcare is not stable, then what can we do to kind of help them find the resource to get stable care um, with boundaries, of course, you know, but. Sure. So we did a, <clears throat> during mental health awareness week over on the boss consulting Instagram, we did some tips around how a business can um, kind of increase their mental health awareness. And one of the, well, there were two tips that really stood out because they came from other consultants on my team. And one of them said, do one-on-ones with your employees because it allows you to get ahead of any issues or really connect with an employee on a personal level, like personal dedicated one-on-one time. And you build that connection, you establish that trust, you establish that those open lines of communication. And then the other one was to get creative about your benefits. So maybe you're not ready to um, do an EAP. Maybe it's not in your budget, but like maybe you can expand your bereavement policy to include like death of a dog or death, the death of a pet. You know what I mean? Like we don't have, not everything has to be textbook and you can get creative and thoughtful and expand upon what you already offer that may not impact your bottom line in the long run. Yes. Oh my gosh. Definitely. Um, I do have a couple clients that we implemented policies of bereavement to expand over the immediate family members. And we included pets and we included friends. 
Um, and we gave a generous amount. I know, um, I think in Illinois, they launched, they, they created a new law under bereavement. Please don't quote me on this. I'm like 95% sure. So they're still at 5% sure. I have not read that correctly, but they cover miscarriages and infertility losses. And I think in that day and age, that is huge because that impacts women significantly. It does impact men. So I, I don't want to discredit, but for, um, I think because women, because we carry the child, it, it hits us a little differently, um, in terms of impact. And, you know, I've, I've heard stories and I've seen situations where, where people just can't overcome it and they kind of stay in that area um, in life, which is unfortunate, but sometimes they need significant, significant care, counseling, um, other resources, things of that nature. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't always have to be textbook. I think that's, that's like a huge takeaway. So something that I do in my company is I offer mental health days and this is like this is like an ode to my mother because when I was younger and in elementary school and middle school and even high school, like once or twice a year, she would allow me to take a mental health day, which was basically just a day out of school. And I think we went shopping, you know, it was just kind of like, we're just taking a mental health day. And so I do that within my company where my consultants get um, three mental health days a year. And it's kind of like a no questions asked, you know? So like if you wake up one day and you're like, I just don't feel like I can do it today. You take a mental health day. And it's paid day and you get it. Or if you have like a shitty conversation with a client and you're like, I just, I don't have it in me to do the rest of the day. You take a mental health day. And I think for me, it's, it's, it's twofold, right? It's, it's the benefit, right? That, but it's also the ongoing conversation of like, you can show up as your whole self in the work that you do and that you're human and that there will be times where you just feel like I can't freaking do it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. So, um, St. Patrick's day, uh, March 17th was also national world sleep day. So we were like, show up in your green pajamas that are work appropriate, but fun. And, um, and then we're like, our, our boss that day gave us two hours of paid leave to do whatever we wanted on that day. And it was like, go take a nap. So it was like encouraging napping. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, you know, I've had, I had really great bosses too, where, you know, I broke up with a boyfriend and I showed up to work the next day and you could just see it on my face. And I remember my boss telling me, she's like, you broke up with your boyfriend last night. Right. And I was like, I did. And she's like, just go home. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. This helps. This helps. You know, um, you know, just, um, and, and those tough conversations too, Dana, like you said, I, um, I remember one time I got three resignations within an hour of key positions. And I was like, I don't think I can handle and digest this. I took the rest of the afternoon off to de-stress. Yeah. It's, I, I just think like having, acknowledging that that state of mind exists. Now, sure. Will people possibly abuse it? Do you want to set parameters around it and have a policy around it? Sure. Like you have to think these things through, but I think it's just important to have the mindset of like, you don't have to do what every other company is doing. And the way that you build a wellness program internally says a lot about what you 
value in terms of your employees and who you want to be as an employer. Right. And one of the things um, I do hear uh, quite a bit because your larger companies kind of set the set those benefit trends sometimes because they have more resources. And sometimes I hear from my clients is like, well, we're not big enough to do that. Or we're too small. We don't have the fun finances. And I'm like, well, where's your creative juices? We don't have to follow what they're doing. We can set our own trend. We what? And their employees need different things than our employees. So you're not comparing, you know, everybody's fruit, right? But apples are apples. You can't compare an apple to an orange. They have different needs. They grow on different trees. So I, I think oranges grow on trees. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Oh man. <laughs> so um yeah. So I, that's, I always have those conversations too. I was like, well, we're not trying to do it like the bigger companies. I know we're small, but we can do something possibly even better. Yeah. And get creative. Um, any final thoughts around this idea of wellness resources? No, I just think is use, just think of wellness as the whole person and not just mental and not just physical. Um, because it, it it expands to to every aspect of your life and well-being. I love it. Maria, thank you so much for being on Quirky HR again. As always, you can check out Maria's information in the show notes. Make sure that you connect with her on LinkedIn and all of the other places. And we will catch you on the next episode of Quirky HR. <laughs>